Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in. Welcome to the Prayer House Podcast. Our mission and vision is simple, to spread the gospel and good news to the ends of the world and to do it by building a community whose foundation is Jesus Christ. So welcome to the family. We hope you enjoy this message and that it is a blessing to you. I'm Joanne and I am from Houston. Um, I'm in grad school right now, but um, pretty young still compared to some of y'all here who are who are more experienced, who can um, share about this. But today I wanted to share with you guys about discipleship um, and my experience with discipleship. And discipleship is a big word that we kind of throw out out uh, throw out there and we kind of say, hey, go and make disciples. But what does that really mean? And what does that look like in the modern day is what I want to go over today. Um, so we see so many cases in the Bible, in the New Testament, and in the Old Testament. Um, there's Moses and Joshua, Elijah and Elisha, Jesus and the Twelve, Paul and Timothy, the list could go on forever. Um, but what does that look like today? Um, so before we go into that, I want to just say a word of prayer. Um, so Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for getting this time in your presence. Lord, we thank you for that wonderful worship that we had, Lord Jesus. God, we thank you that the time spent in your presence is so much better, Lord God, so much better than anything else, Lord God. Father God, we thank you for those prayer requests that you heard, Father God. And Lord Jesus, I just pray um, that as you speak right now, Lord God, that none of my words would go through, Lord Jesus, but Father God, that just your spirit would speak. Father God, that you would put a burden for discipleship in everyone's heart that's listening today, Lord Jesus. Father God, that they would have a new burden, Lord Jesus, and that they would just be ready to go, Lord Jesus, to make go and make disciples by the end of this, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Um, so the first point that I want to make today, for those of you who are taking notes, is if you are a Christian, you are called to make disciples. So if any of you guys are taking notes, which I would highly encourage you to do, if you are Christians, you are called to make disciples. Um, so turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 to 20. Um, and once you guys are there, go ahead and just put up a thumbs up for me. Matthew 28, verse 16 to 20. All right. Okay. So it looks like most of you are there. Um, so then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. If that didn't make it clear enough for you, the Great Commission is literally go make disciples. Um, and that's something that he's saying, yes, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to the 11 that he, who were with him for three years, who were being discipled by Jesus. And he's telling them, okay, now's your time. Go. Go make disciples of all the nations. And I just want to say one thing before we start. If you are calling yourself a Christian, if you bear the name of Christ, if you've accepted him as your Savior and taken water baptism to publicly declare that he is your God, you are ready to disciple. Like, this message is for everyone, is what I'm trying to say. Don't put yourself in a spot where you think this is for the leaders. Everyone 
if you bear the name of Christ and call yourself a Christian, you are called to make disciples. Um, and this discipleship is not just for the church leaders, and it is going to look different from person to person. Yeah, we see so many cases of Paul and Timothy, Paul and Titus, right? And you see like those church leadership, right? You see a pastor mentoring another pastor to come up, but it's not just them. Um, it's going to look different for each of us. So I want to give you just a couple of cases from, from my life. I think the first time that I ever discipled someone, from my memory, um, is in ninth grade. Um, as early as ninth grade is the first time that I began discipling someone. It didn't look like, oh, hey, I think I'm going to disciple you. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about the love of God. It was, it was just me um, sharing the gospel with one of my non-believer friends. So in high school, um, it looked a lot like personal evangelism. That was my discipling. Um, where I had a friend who she was non-Christian. Um, she's Buddhist, but more agnostic. Um, but she was so curious about God, and she had like such a hunger to know about God. And and just the random conversations we would have, we would have conversations about literally everything and every anything because we were friends. Um, and somehow we would end up on Facebook Messenger. For those of you who don't know what that is, <laughs> but we would be in Facebook Messenger and be on the chat, and we would literally talk to each other from, from like 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. in the morning about just random things. And somehow, I kid you not, every single conversation ended with, hey, can you tell me a little bit about Jesus? Why do you believe in him? Like, what, 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 does, what does the Bible teach? And we, every time... Like, I kid you not, every time, the conversation always ended up there. And I don't credit that on my part at all, but she had a hunger, and and it took time. Yeah, like, I didn't go, get sleep some nights so in ninth grade, but that's okay, because I was a ninth grader. <laughs> but, but, like, that relationship was formed, and all throughout high school, ninth to twelfth grade, we always had these conversations. Um, it came to a point in her life where she was having problems with her liver, um, and she was real desperate. She was really desperate. And I remember going to God and just having a plea and a burden in my heart. God, heal her. God, let her know that you're real through this. And I can, I can remember the first time that, um, so my, my dad had this little prayer call that he would do with a bunch of other pastors and all of that. And I remember the first time that I ever submitted a prayer request to him was bringing my friend. And I said, um, hey, I have a friend, and she's she has some problems with her liver. Can you guys please pray for it? And I remember saying that with tears in my eyes because that was my biggest burden, and that was the first burden that I had for someone. And I think that was when I started discipling. Um, come 12th grade, another one of my friends, um, again, we would just have daily conversations. She was, she was half Muslim and half Christian. Um, that's the background that she came from. So one of her parents was Muslim, one of her parents was Christian. And so she knew a little bit about Jesus. And so we would do these summer Bible studies where we would meet up in one of our friends' houses and we would have a little Bible study. Um, and by the grace of God, by the end of it, we got to lead her in the salvation prayer. We got to, to see her accept Jesus into her life. And this is in 12th grade, y'all. Like, there is no time that's too early. You can be a middle schooler and that is not too early. When you've accepted Jesus in your heart and you're following after him, you're not going to be perfect, okay? Like, don't wait for perfection because that's too late. By the time you're perfect, you're dead, all right? So don't wait for the moment of perfection. 
as soon as God's put a burden in your heart for that other person, for that non-believer, for, for that friend, don't consider them to be a non-believer. That friend who you want to know the love of Jesus, once you have that, you're ready. You're ready to disciple. Um, and that, for me, in high school, that just looked like daily conversations. Go to college. Fast forward to college. Um, I became part of campus ministries. And with, uh, we did campus ministries with ICPF, and we would reach out to international students on campus. Um, and literally, my mission field was right on campus because there were so many international students from, from all parts of India who, who we would not be allowed to go to those parts of India and share the gospel with them. But those people were brought onto campus for us. Um, and we would, we would just share the gospel with them. So every week, we would have Bible studies with them. Outside of that, that's not discipleship. Having Bible studies with someone is not discipleship. Let me clarify that. Discipleship is personal. It's having that personal walk and living. You're living life with that person. What that looked like for me is going to the grocery store with that same international student who came to the Bible study. It was inviting them to our house. Um, it was going over to their apartment and talking to them about Jesus. Um, what it looked like was, was grabbing lunch with them. You know, just grabbing lunch with them and asking, how was your day? That's what personal discipleship looked like in that situation. And God gave me so many international friends. Like, they're not, again, they're not my non-believer friends. They're, they're just so many of my friends who I made um, that God gave me the opportunity to just share the love of Jesus with them. Um, okay, fast forward again. Um, now in grad school. I have had the opportunity to invite some of my friends to church. Um, but that's not discipleship again. Just dropping them off at church is not discipleship. What it looks like is having conversations with them. Is, am I making the point clear now? Discipleship is having conversations. It's having the day-to-day -day living with them. Um, throughout all this time, I think since my sophomore year of college, with all of this, um, there's been not a internet, like there's been international students, there's been non-believers that I've been discipling. But beyond that, there's been um, two mentees that I've had. They are both, one of them is going to eighth grade and one of them is going to ninth grade. And they are my biggest disciples. Um, if I have a burden for anyone in my heart, it's for these two little girls who, who I see God just working in their hearts. And I've seen them grow through these three three or four years now with mentoring them. I've seen them, seen them grown so, so much. Um, and what that looked like was having just day-to-day -day conversations with them. Okay, so tell me that you're too young. Tell me that you're too young to start discipling because you're not. Um, because however much you know Jesus, that's more than the non-believer who, who knows him at like none at all. So first point, if you are a Christian, you are called to make disciples. Second point, discipleship can drain you. Discipleship can drain you. Um, be ready because discipleship is very intentional. It's an intentional relationship that you're making with someone, whether that be a, a non-believer or um, one of the kids in your church that's in your Sunday school class, whoever it is. It's going to drain you because you're pouring into them. Discipleship is about pouring in to that person. So what do you feed from? Whatever you feed from, that's what you're pouring into them. Okay, so I have two, two examples here. There's a river and there's a pond. Okay, so a river, you have water that's flowing in 
and, and then it stays in this place for, for just a little bit of time, and then it's immediately flowing out. That's what discipleship looks like. You're, you're flowing in from the Father. You have his word flowing into you, and literally you're just flowing that out. Go. Go to the disciple. Right? You're, you're giving whatever love you get from the Father, you're immediately pouring that out. A pond, on the other hand. A pond, you can get water from the pond. But I bet most of you don't want to get water from a pond because it is full of bacteria. As a scientist, let me tell you, don't drink pond water. <laughs> it is full of bacteria. It's stagnant water. It's not moving at all. Um, so you have a pond that just collects water and it stays there. Right? If you try to take that water, it's going to be emptied. If you drain, drain out all the water, there's no water left there. And that's what drains you. And if you see so many, so many leaders... Me too. Like I've been at this point of just spiritual burnout. You reach that you reach that point of burnout, right? Where you're like, I can't do this anymore because it becomes that your time spent pouring into others is just so much more than the time that you get to be fed by God and fed by His Word. Um, and so, like, don't ever push yourself to that point. And and for the best example of that, let's turn to our our great teacher. Um, so Jesus. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 to 23, you can follow the example of Jesus and his disciples. Um, so Matthew 14, 22 to 23, go ahead and put a thumbs up again whenever you've reached that. Okay, we're good. Okay, so immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the, the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Jesus, the Son of God, had to go and separate time for himself to just pray, pray alone. Um, one thing that I've realized with the more that I'm doing mentorship is Sometimes we can, uh, we can substitute time spent praying together with our mentees or time spent reading the Bible together as like a Bible study group or whatever else. We can substitute that as our personal time with God. That's not your personal time with God. Personal time is one-on-one, is -on -one, alone time with Him. If you're not having that, you are going to reach burnout. Um, and this week, honestly, is when I feel like I've been learning it the most, uh, which is funny to say, but like, this week, one of my mentees um, came up to me with, with a problem that was really just too much for me to handle. Um, I literally skipped lab yesterday because I was drained. I, it was just too much. Um, <laughs> they told me something where I could not tell anyone else, and it was just such a burden that was put on my heart. And it was so burdening because of the love that I have for them, it was, it's too much. Um, and it was so draining, but then I literally had to just force myself, go to God. This is not my burden. They've given me their burden. I'm giving it to you, Jesus. Um, and I had to do that with, with going to my own mentor. And that's my, that's my other point. If you don't already have a mentor, get a mentor. If you're discipling others, you need to be discipled. I know a lot of us in our generation, a lot of us haven't been discipled. If we're being honest, a lot of us haven't been discipled. Um, but we need to find that mentor. Find a mentor. And it's okay. It's okay to be the one that reaches out to them. 
um, sometimes as a mentor, whenever you reach out to those who are younger than you, um, yeah, that teenager is most likely not going to want an accountability partner, right? They're most likely not going to want a mentor. So you have to be the one to initiate that conversation and reach out to them. Um, but as someone that's mature in Christ, you have the privilege and, and you have the right to go and ask someone older than you. Um, ask someone, and it doesn't have to be age. It's not an age thing. It doesn't have to be someone older than you, but someone who you know has their walk right with God. Um, go to them and ask, hey, I want to be mentored by you. Um, would you be willing to keep me accountable? And so for me, that I'm lucky and blessed in having three older sisters who, who walk in the Lord. And, and for me, it's my eldest sister um, who... Literally, like, whatever happened the day before yesterday, I was I was wrecked, and I was in my room, and I had so much burden on my heart, and I immediately just called her, and I was like, hey, I need you to pray for me. I was like, I can't tell you what, I can't tell you what's happening, but I just need you to pray for me. And immediately when she prayed, I felt like half the burden just released right there, right? Um, and she checked up on me the next day, and then she led me to, um, she was like, hey, if this is something you can discuss with our pastor, um, go ahead and call him. And so she just re redirected me to that source. Um, and so sometimes as a, as a person that's mentoring others, you don't need to have all the answers. Like, go to that person that is, that is your, your mentor. Go to your mentor. And I've seen that in, in so many of the successful Christians I know, um, so many successful pastors that I know, they're still being mentored um, by someone else. They still have their mentors that they can go to. Um, because the thing is, never see it as... I'm, I'm good. Like, I've, I've reached the peak. I have all that I have now. You're never at that peak. You're always reaching that perfection. And so you always have that person that's, that's one step ahead of you in their walk with Christ, right, that you can look to. So if you haven't looked for a mentor yet, look for a mentor because discipleship can drain you. Okay, third point. Discipleship is not about words. It's about actions. Discipleship is not about words, it's about actions. Um, so in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Paul, um, who some of you would like to be like, and who I honestly wish I had the boldness to be like, um, said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Y'all, how many of you have the, have the courage to say that? Follow my example as I follow Christ. Um, but that's, that's what being a, being a mentor looks like. So you're showing them. It's not telling them. He's not saying, like, follow the letter that I've written to you. He says, follow my example. You show them through your actions. What does a prayer life look like? What does it look like to actually walk with Jesus? Show them what that looks like. Um, so again, yeah, if, you're, if you're discipling someone, be intentional. Be intentional with showing them what that relationship looks like. And um, so for me, and another personal experience with this, in college, I was a part of this lab that was just incredibly hard and was one of the, the worst experiences of my college life, um, where I was in this lab and um, so many experiments weren't working. Everything was always failing. I felt miserable. Um, and literally every day I would go home and cry after the end of the day because it was just a lot. Um, but I remember every day I would still go back. Every morning I would go back into lab smiling, smiling at all the other people there. And they knew that my experiments weren't working. They knew that the professor was getting on to me or whatever else it was. Um, and I remember one of the grad students coming up to me one day and we were just working on an experiment side by side. And, and they came up to me and they were like, Joanne, why are you always smiling? 
they were like, Joanne, why are you always smiling? And I was like, well, I just choose to be joyful. Like I choose to, I choose to show joy. And then he was, okay, and he was the one that asked this, okay? He was like, does that have anything to do with your religion? He was like, does that have anything to do with your religion? Does that have to do anything with what you believe in? And I was like, yes, this has like everything to do with what I believe in. And I shared with him my favorite verse. I was like, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. That's my favorite verse in the Bible. And I choose to be joyful because of that. Um, and so that was, that was just a situation where I could share share the love of Jesus and share what Christianity looks like. And he asked me that question because of my life. I didn't have to initiate. Whenever you're living for Jesus and whenever other people see something different in you, you're not going to be the one initiating those conversations. They are, you know? Um, But yeah, so discipleship is not about words. It's about your actions. And just to give a, So I know all of these are like very broad terms or very broad ideas, but I want to give some real just practical advice now on on what discipleship really looks like Um, and and some practical advice for if you have someone that you're discipling right now. Whenever um, Whenever you're discipling, if you're discipling someone that is younger than you, make sure that you get their parents' permission first. That's number one. Um, if you are discipling someone younger than you. So for me, I am discipling um, an 8th grader and a ninth grader. They are still in school. Um, they are still under their parents' house. If I am, if I am ministering to anyone under 18, if, if I'm ministering to anyone that's still under their parents, make sure you have that relationship with the parents first. Um, I know all of you on here have the best intention for mentoring and have, would want to do the best, but this is to prevent anything. You don't want anything that you're feeding to be a wrong thing, and you want your want their parents to be in there too. So make sure that the parents are involved in that relationship. Like before you talk to that mentee, you can have that conversation first with the mentee, but make sure you have the conversation with the parents and say, hey, um, I, I want to have a relationship with your child, and I want to, um, if I'm taking them out places or whatever you're pouring into them, the parents know, and, and that's important. Um, second, Always male and male and female and female. And no matter how much of an age gap it is, you could be a 40-year-old pastor. You are not going to be the one mentoring that 18-year-old girl. Um, and I have seen this with, uh, and I've seen this as a um, a pattern. Never have, never have. Okay, like even if you're an elder chichi and you want to disciple a younger boy, no. Girl and girl, boy, boy and boy. Um, and so even if, if you find, like for me, if I find a, a youngster, like a young guy that, that does need discipleship, that does need a mentor, I'm going to go find him a male mentor that can go and mentor him instead. Just never open up those opportunities. Um, regardless of, of age, of anything else, girls mentor girls, guys mentor guys, and that is just what works. Um, and I've seen this even with pastors who who like pastors that I respect, they, they ask their wife to come and have a conversation with a younger girl if, if that's the case. So this is, that's just what works. Um, next one, number three. You can bail on other people. Never bail on your mentee. If you're going to reschedule, if there's a ton of things on your schedule and if you already made time for your mentee, don't cancel on them. Cancel on your friend. Cancel on 
someone older than you, don't cancel on your mentee um, because they are looking to you for advice. They are looking to you for that guidance, and you can't be the one to let them down. Um, don't make promises that you can't keep. Number four, don't make promises that you can't keep. This is tricky, especially when it comes to confidentiality. Sometimes um, your mentee might come up to you and say, hey, I have something that I'm going through, um, but, but Joanne, Chi, Chi, like, can you, can you keep this between just me and you? Um, and from the beginning itself, I say, hey, I, I'll keep this. I'll keep this like, to myself. I won't tell anyone else. But um, if I need to, if it's something that I can't, if I can't deal with alone, I, I, I will tell your parents. And that's something that I put straight out. I was like, I will tell, or I will, or if it's not their parents, I will tell someone higher. And I make that clear from the beginning itself. Because then they know that whatever they tell me, because it's so much worse if you promise them, I'm not going to tell anyone. And that situation is so much beyond your control, and you end up having to tell a higher up. And then you betray their confidence at that point, right? They're like, you said that you wouldn't tell anyone. So don't make promises that you can't keep. Don't, don't promise confidentiality if you can't keep it. Um, so just tell them from the start itself. Say, hey, I, I'm going to keep this with just you and me, but, but if I need to go to someone else, I will. Like, make that clear to them. Number five, you are not their counselor. You are not a licensed counselor. Um, and discipleship, like, discipling is not counseling. Um, so there have been... So many conversations where it feels honestly like sometimes it is a counseling session. But you know why it's not? Um, because a counselor, do you care how your counselor lives their life? You don't. Most likely you don't. You, you meet the counselor for a counseling session and that's it. That's the end of it. Discipleship is them looking at your life. It is not counseling. It is them looking at your life. That is what discipleship is. And so whenever, whenever you... Don't make it a counseling session. Don't make it seem as if you have all the an answers. Like, always redirect them to God. Always redirect them to God. Um, there's so many conversations I've had where I've literally just ended the conversation with, man, I really don't know what to say. Um, I can't imagine what you're going through. I can't imagine what you're feeling right now. I really don't know the words to say. Um, but is it fine if we just pray together right now? Like, don't feel like you have to be a licensed counselor. To, to disciple someone. You don't. Um, there's moments where I literally just stop a conversation because I'm like, I don't know what to tell you right now. And I just pray with them. I pray and, and then God in that moment reveals the words to say. He won't leave you empty. He will give you the words to say. But I, I sometimes have to just stop the conversation right there and say, hey, can we just pray? And God will give me the words to say to that person. Um, because I don't know what to do, how to deal with their situation sometimes, right? But God will give that peace those words of affirmation, those words of peace to them. Um, number six, don't be their crutch. Don't be their crutch. Don't let them ever look to you. Yes, if they have a problem, you want them to come to you. You want them to call you, that you want them to text you, whatever it is. But don't let them become sorely dependent on you. They have to know that if Joanne Chi is not there, I'm going to go to God with this, right? You're never that crutch. You're never... Jesus, like you are many Jesuses bringing his light, but you are not Jesus. You are not the great intercessor. That is Jesus, and that is God. That is the one that's their father, and he's the one that's providing for their needs. So don't feel like you have to be their crutch, and don't let them view you as their crutch either. Um, show them. 
constantly redirect, redirect them to Jesus, fix their eyes on Jesus, bring the conversation to Jesus, say that Jesus is going to talk to you, go, go bring this in prayer to Jesus, Jesus is going to hear you, Jesus, I pray that you would give them a big hug, you know, fix it on Jesus. Um, and so, yeah, those are, those are just the practical tips I have for, for, for discipling. Um, just, be, just be real with them. You know, just be real and honest with them. But they're seeing it in your life. Discipleship is about, about living life with them and letting them see your life um, and making those intentional conversations. If you're not discipling someone already, find time to make those conversations. Find a younger person that you can mentor in your church. Um, okay, and this brings me to the last point, and I just want to end off with this. You will never fully understand the love of Jesus until you have discipled someone. Because their joy will become your joy. Their hurt will be your hurt. Um, just like what Pastor Dan was saying on, or Pastor Danston was saying for the, for the camp, he was like, the greatest joy he had was when his mentor told him that you are part of my family. When you mentor someone, you are, you are including them in your family. You're not just part of their life, they are now part of your life. They are part of your family. And I can't help but think what Jesus thought whenever he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he had his disciples there with him. And he, he had so much of a burden in his heart. And he was facing the sin of the world. And his disciples were there sleeping. right? The people who had been with him for three years were there just sleeping. But he said with such a loving heart, it's okay, your spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see it in a different light whenever you've discipled and you can say, hey, you're weak right now. That's fine with me. You're weak right now. That's fine with me. Whenever you look at Jesus on the cross, whenever he's looking out into that crowd, whenever he looks into that crowd and he sees his disciples and he says, I don't want you to be going through this burden. I don't want you to be going through the sin. I wish it were me, right? Because I have that thought whenever I look at my mentee and whenever I think of the things that have happened to her, I think, God, why did it have to happen to her? Why couldn't it have been me? Like, God, why didn't you just let that happen to me instead? Why, why are they going through that sin? I wish it could have just been me. Those are the, the kind of thoughts that you have whenever you start discipling someone because that love is just so different. Whenever you start pouring into someone and you see that person growing, that love is just so different. Whenever Jesus was on t trial before the court, whenever they were mocking him and beating him, he still looked at Peter, Peter who was about to reject him, Peter who had rejected him. He turned and looked at Peter, and it was just love. It didn't matter how much that disciple had let him down, he was just thinking about the restoration that was to come. He had joy knowing the restoration that was to come. The love that you have is so different whenever you have that love for a disciple. You will never fully understand the love of Jesus until you have discipled someone. It's such a great honor. And so if you're not already, go. Go disciple someone. That is the great commandment from God, from Jesus, is go. Go disciple. Go disciple and make disciples of all the nations. Don't let laziness, don't let anything else, don't let a feel of guilt 
weigh you down instead? Go. That's what Jesus is saying. Just go. Go make disciples. And if you haven't got a mentor, get mentored. Get discipled by someone. Get discipled and go disciple. Um, yeah, so with these words, I hope that God blesses you and that this produces fruit in your heart. And I'm excited for the disciples that are going to be made. God bless. Thanks again for tuning in. We pray over you today that the word of God touched you and transformed you as only his word can. Feel free to leave us a rating or share with your friends. We'd really appreciate it. Till then, keep searching and continue to listen for his voice and we'll see you again next time.